This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of sternoclavicular dislocations from the trauma section on orthobullets.com. Starting with a brief summary, sternoclavicular dislocations are uncommon injuries to the chest that consist of traumatic or atraumatic dislocations of the sternoclavicular joint. Diagnosis can be made with plain serendipity radiographic views, though CT studies are generally required to assess for the direction of displacement. Treatment is generally with observation of atraumatic or chronic anterior dislocations, while closed versus open reduction is indicated for acute dislocations. In this episode, we will discuss the etiology, relevant anatomy, clinical presentation, imaging findings, treatment strategies, treatment techniques, and complications resulting from sternoclavicular dislocations. Regarding the etiology, the pathophysiology of a traumatic dislocation is different from that of an atraumatic subluxation. Traumatic dislocations may go anteriorly, which is more common, or posteriorly, which puts mediastinal structures at risk. It is also important to distinguish these dislocations from a medial clavicle physeal fracture, and it should be noted that the medial clavicle physis does not fuse until age 20 to 25. The mechanism of a traumatic dislocation is usually a high-energy injury such as a motor vehicle accident or contact sports. Atraumatic subluxations occur with overhead elevation of the arm. Affected patients are usually younger, and many demonstrate signs of generalized ligamentous laxity. Subluxation usually reduces when lowering the arm. And treatment is with reassurance and local symptomatic treatment. The relevant anatomy to discuss here includes the medial clavicle and the sternoclavicular joint. Remember that the medial clavicle is the first bone to ossify and last physis to close, closing at ages 20 to 25. The relevant sternoclavicular joint anatomy to discuss relates to both the osteology and the stability. Regarding the osteology of the sternoclavicular joint, it is a diarthrodial saddle joint that is incongruous with only about 50% of contact at any given time. It is primarily made of fibrocartilage as well. Regarding the stability of the sternoclavicular joint, the stability depends on the ligamentous structures, the posterior capsular ligament, anterior sternoclavicular ligament, costoclavicular or rhomboid ligament, and the intraarticular disc ligament. The posterior capsular ligament is the most important structure for anterior-posterior stability. The anterior sternoclavicular ligament is the primary restraint to superior displacement of the medial clavicle. The costoclavicular ligament, or rhomboid ligament, is made of the anterior and posterior fasciculi. The anterior fasciculus resists superior rotation and lateral displacement, while the posterior fasciculus resists inferior rotation and medial displacement. The intraarticular disc ligament prevents medial displacement of the clavicle, and provides secondary restraint to superior clavicle displacement. On clinical presentation, patients present differently with anterior or posterior dislocations. In anterior dislocations, a deformity with a palpable bump is palpable, whereas on posterior dislocations, patients may present with dyspnea or dysphagia, as well as tachypnea or strider that becomes worse when supine. On physical examination, Palpation should be performed, noting a prominence that increases with arm abduction and elevation, as well as assessing the range of motion and for instability, noting decreased arm range of motion in these cases. A thorough neurovascular exam should be performed looking for paresthesias in the upper extremity, 
and venous congestion or diminished pulses when compared to the contralateral side. Provocative maneuvers may also be performed with turning the head to the affected side, relieving pain. Imaging with radiographs and CT scans may be performed. Radiographs are recommended with views including the AP and serendipity views. On AP films, it is difficult to visualize the sternoclavicular joint. Thus, a serendipity view should be taken, where the beam is angled with a 40-degree cephalic tilt. An anterior dislocation can be noted with the affected clavicle above the contralateral clavicle, and a posterior dislocation can be noted with the affected clavicle below the contralateral clavicle. A CT scan is the study of choice, however. With axial views, being able to visualize mediastinal structures and injuries and being able to differentiate sternoclavicular dislocation from physeal fractures. Treatment may be operative or non-operative. Non-operative treatment with reassurance and local symptomatic treatment is indicated for atraumatic subluxation and chronic anterior dislocation that is minimally symptomatic or greater than three weeks old. In non-operative treatment, sling can be used for comfort and a return to unrestricted activity should be achieved by three months. Operative intervention can be performed with close reduction under general anesthesia with or without thoracic surgery backup and is indicated for acute anterior dislocations less than three weeks old or acute posterior dislocations less than three weeks old. If the reduction is stable, a Velpo bandage may be applied for six weeks, though a plaster jacket or figure of eight bandage may be needed to distract the shoulder. Elbow exercises should be resumed at three weeks and returned to sport at three months. If the reduction is unstable, the deformity can either be accepted or open reduction and soft tissue reconstruction performed. The alternative is to perform open reduction and soft tissue reconstruction with or without thoracic surgery backup. This is indicated for acute posterior dislocations with failed closed reductions. Failure of closed reduction is defined as dysphagia, shortness of breath, or decreased peripheral pulses. Open reduction in soft tissue reconstruction is also indicated for chronic anterior or posterior dislocations that remain persistently symptomatic. The presence of cardiothoracic surgery at the time of surgery is controversial. Recent studies state that the recommendation for routine involvement of thoracic surgeons in all cases may not be necessary. The last treatment option we will discuss is medial clavicular excision, which is an outdated procedure and is rarely performed nowadays. Moving on to discuss treatment techniques, including closed reduction under general anesthesia, open reduction in soft tissue reconstruction, and the medial clavicle excision, closed reduction under general anesthesia should be performed using the following reduction technique. Place the patient supine with the arm at the edge of the table and prep the entire chest. Abduct and extend the arm while applying axial traction and direct pressure. Simultaneously, apply direct posterior pressure over the medial clavicle and manipulate the medial clavicle with a towel clip or your fingers. Moving on to discuss open reduction and soft tissue reconstruction, the approach for this is a curvilinear incision overlying the medial one-fourth of the clavicle, sternoclavicular joint, and on top of the manubrium. Care is taken to not disrupt the sternocleidomastoid tendon sheath. A clean incision is made through the sternoclavicular joint to allow for repair at the end. This technique involves the use of a figure of eight tendon reconstruction using two drill holes in the manubrium and two in the medial clavicle. Holes should be one centimeter apart to avoid cortical failure, and a gracilis or semitendinosus allograft or autograft is most commonly used. Lastly, 
we will discuss the outdated medial clavicle excision. This approach should be made with an incision over the medial clavicle, and during resection, the costoclavicular ligaments must be preserved. These can be preserved by resecting less than 15 millimeters of the medial clavicle, and repair of the costoclavicular ligaments should be performed if injured. Finally, the major complication to be aware of with sternoclavicular dislocation is cosmetic deformity. Now that we've gotten a general overview of this topic, let's review a few questions to see how this material has been tested in the past. Question 1. A 19-year-old male presents to the emergency room following a motor vehicle accident as an unrestrained driver. Examination reveals unilateral jugular vein engorgement. Chest and special radiographs demonstrate asymmetry of the SC joints characteristic of a right posterior SC joint dislocation. Following CT scan of the chest, the next step in management is which of the following? 1. Non-surgical management and follow-up CT scan in 6 weeks. 2. Close reduction in the emergency room under sedation. 3. Close reduction in the operating room under general anesthesia with thoracic surgery on standby, followed by immobilization for 4 weeks. 4. Close reduction in the operating room under general anesthesia with thoracic surgery on standby, followed by compression plating. Or 5. Open reduction in the operating room under general anesthesia, followed by transarticular pinning with K-wires. The correct answer is 3. Closed reduction in the operating room under general anesthesia with thoracic surgery on standby, followed by immobilization for 4 weeks. This patient has a right posterior SC dislocation. Management involves closed reduction and bracing. Closed reduction should be performed with the thoracic surgeon available in the event of mediastinal involvement. The SC joint can dislocate anteriorly or posteriorly. Posterior dislocations are first treated with closed reduction. If closed reduction fails, open reduction is indicated. Early complications of posterior SC dislocation include pneumothorax, laceration, erosion, or occlusion of the great vessels, esophageal rupture, and brachial plexus compression. Late complications include tracheoesophageal fistula, strider, and dysphagia. Grow et al. reviewed traumatic SC injuries. Reduction maneuvers in posterior SC dislocation include 1. Traction on the arm and slowly bringing it into extension. 2. Traction with the arm in adduction and posterior pressure applied to the shoulder. And 3. Pulling anteriorly on a towel clip encircling the medial clavicle. Chronic instability after posterior SC dislocations can be managed with a figure of 8 semitoninosis graft or medial clavicle resection and reattachment of the clavicle to the first rib with Dacron tape. Glass et al. performed a systematic review on SC dislocations. They found mediastinal compression occurred 30% of the time with posterior dislocations. Regarding the incorrect answers, answer 1, non-surgical management and follow-up CT scan in 6 weeks, is incorrect and is not advised because of the potential complications of posterior dislocations. Unstable dislocations will remain dislocated at 6 weeks if untreated. Answer 2, closed reduction in the emergency room, is ill-advised because of the potential mediastinal involvement. An operating room and thoracic surgeon should be available during the reduction maneuver. Answer 4, closed reduction in the emergency room under general anesthesia with thoracic surgery on standby followed by compression plating is incorrect as compression plating across the sternoclavicular joint is not recommended. And answer 5, open reduction in the operating room under general anesthesia followed by transarticular K-wire pinning 
is incorrect, as pinning with K-wires is contraindicated because of the potential catastrophic consequences of wire migration. Question 2. Which of the following is true regarding anterior sternoclavicular joint dislocations? 1. Reduction may result in tracheal injury. 2. They are usually stable following close reduction. 3. They require fusion to hold the reduction. 4. They are rarely symptomatic when left unreduced. Or 5. They should be treated acutely with medial clavicle excision. The correct answer is 4. They are rarely symptomatic when left unreduced. As stated in the BICOS article, anterior SC joint instability should primarily be treated conservatively. The patient should be informed that there is a high risk of persistent instability with non-operative or operative care, but that the persistent instability will be well tolerated and will have little functional impact in the vast majority. Therefore, operative intervention for anterior SC joint instability is mainly cosmetic in nature. Last question. A 33-year-old female is diagnosed with spontaneous atraumatic subluxation of the sternoclavicular joint. She notes mild intermittent pain with a small amount of prominence to that area. She has noted to have 6 points out of a possible 9 points on the Baton-Horan scale. What is the most appropriate treatment at this time? 1. Observation 2. Figure of 8 brace for 6 weeks followed by progressive physical therapy 3. Resection arthroplasty of the sternoclavicular joint 4. Sternoclavicular and costoclavicular ligament reconstruction or 5. Sternoclavicular arthrodesis. The correct answer is 1. Observation. Spontaneous atraumatic subluxation of the sternoclavicular joint is a rare condition and is generally associated with ligamentous laxity. A score of 5 or more on 9-point Baton-Horan scale defines joint hypermobility. The treatment for atraumatic subluxation of the sternoclavicular joint is observation. Higginbotham et al. reported that spontaneous atraumatic anterior subluxation of the sternoclavicular joint may occur during overhead elevation of the arm. The majority of cases are not painful and the subluxation reduces with lowering of the arm. Surgery is rarely indicated. Non-surgical management, including patient education of the benign nature of the condition, is recommended. Rockwood et al. reviewed a series of 37 patients with this condition and noted that an average follow-up of 8 years, the 29 patients who were treated with non-operative intervention had excellent results with no limitations of activity or changes in lifestyle. The 8 patients who were treated operatively had numerous problems, including notable scars, persistent instability, pain, or limitation of activity that resulted in alteration in lifestyle. That is all for this review on sternoclavicular dislocations. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or the mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, please be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, 
right here on the Ortho Bullets podcast.